Of course, Alvin Lee, the folks on the board here, Gypsy, not Gypsy, Gypsy can't hear it, but uh, everybody out there in Radio Land or listening later land can, and that's our familiar opening lyrics from a guy named Alvin Lee in a band named 10 Years After that was around uh, in late 70s, early 80s. You may remember his little uh, cameo at the Woodstock gathering that I'm going home. And that guy, pretty prophetic lyricist, obviously had some political leanings and, and thoughts and had a pretty damn accurate view of the future. So uh, at uh, his 10 years after, I'd love to change the world. The world's changing right in front of us, as we all know and talk about here on a Daily basis, pretty much when we can get on the air and things work out. Hey, Harv, good to see Harv with us. Uh, date stamp is uh, is interesting. This date stamp. It's April the fourteenth, the day preceding what we would normally uh, classify as the real April Fool's Day. You know, Appomattox Day. Yeah, Appomattox Day, the day of holy retribution, uh, your tribute day. Uh, we, you know, you could put a lot of labels on it. Generally, in years past, it's been a really hot topic because, you know, tonight's the night that people would go to the uh, go to the post office, and in a lot of towns, I remember in Atlanta, down on. Uh, Oh, what's that little uh, something Battle Creek Road or something? Atlanta's full of those kind of streets there. Uh, in Buckhead, Harvey, is where the the one post office that they leave open till midnight so that folks can, you know, to, to, I guess it'd be tomorrow night. Uh, yeah, Far Road. Far Road, that's it. Between yeah. some bridge road and some Peachtree Road. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Atlanta. It runs from Peachtree to Piedmont. Yeah. It's right near the corner of Piedmont. Yes, it is. And it's a neat little old post office, and they have that one open at midnight, and all the all the TV stations have got their reporters, oh, look at the cars waiting to file their taxes and get a postmark before midnight. You know, that whole drama scene and the fear, the fear porn scene and just that whole uh, everything revolves around this tax issue that's so bogus and represent, representative of our, of our servitude. Uh, so interesting because you're not hearing anything about that this year or even in the last couple of years. And as we were going on the air, I said, well, you know, with Trump in office, he's backed down the whole tax thing for four years. There, there, there's no mad dog collection agents and they, they don't have some, you know, Hollywood, uh, or, a uh, popular uh, uh, theme person up by the heels hung up in the downtown square to make an example of, and none of that's going on, but that's about to change. But uh, as somebody was saying here that said a bunch of my friends just aren't paying anymore. They may not have filed an affidavit, but they're in essence filing an affidavit by stopping to support the beast. And I'll bet that's a pretty common thought out there in the country among our countrymen this year particularly and of course now the day of holy retribution uh the real april fool's day as ron brown used to call it harvey uh yeah and i used to go along with that yep yep well that's been put off a month so the real april fool's day is in may this year they may put it off again really they're real backed up and so the tax issue maybe that's going to be a club for us as we move forward through this disaster they call uh joe biden administrator 
Well, Joe Biden administrators. That ring a bell? Joe there? Biden is not qualified to be a file clerk in a small <laughs> business. I mean, stop and think. No, no, I'm serious. I know who you would are. That's what's funny. Would you would you hire Joe Biden to work in your accounting office as a file clerk? No. There's not a chance in the world. No. 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 No, it'd be misfiled. See, all right, look, Joe, see that broom? No, the thing with the stick on the stick, the, the, the stick, Joe, you drive that broom today. That's your job. That's what you'd have to do if you were going to put well, him to work. That's about the only thing he's qualified to do, Harvey, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Push that broom. Well, it's a it's a pretty sad situation that, because it's the Zionist bunch behind him that's doing the directing, and obviously everybody knows that. They're getting caught. They're really over and above themselves in a couple of these agendas, uh, and that's they always make mistakes when that happens. You're seeing it happen at the border. Uh, unfortunately, we there's no way for us to stop the, the onslaught Roger. of people that's Roger. coming, but they're exposing themselves. Yes, Harvey? Yeah, don't worry about the border. Kamala's in charge. Don't well, worry. Yeah, yeah. She's com- yeah. Well, she's It'll probably, be taken care of. Uh, they're planning her trip down there right now. I think it's tentatively next year sometime. Uh, <laughs> the... Uh, <laughs> uh, so, but they're, they're getting a lot of people really pissed on a lot of different areas and grounds of people, groups of people, even that may have been supporting them previously to this because of the, the backlash of all that. And as we mentioned yesterday, not only did they float the idea of issuing opening, was it Department of Homeland Security or Immigration, uh, opening offices of United States Immigration Services all throughout the Central American country. Countries so the people could apply where they live and they wouldn't have to trek to the border because it's putting so much pressure on them and, and, and heat. Uh, that was one. The other one now that they floated over the weekend, I guess, was we're just going to pay you. We'll pay you to stay where you are. So just write us if you're down there in Nicaragua or Honduras or like any of those places. Just tell us, hey, I was going to come, but why don't you just send my check here or send it to this account? Or you might even ask them to pay you in Bitcoin. <laughs> you know, Roger, that has uh, the appearances that maybe they're going to pay them to hang out for a while until they're ready for the big invasion. And while they set up these USIS offices you were talking about, these remote uh, consularies or uh, embassies down there with the State Department to to fuel the invasion and the implosion of America. Uh, this will buy them some time and pay them to stand still and mark time. Yes, sir. So it's very interesting. Of course, uh, I guess that James O'Keefe is, man, he's just absolutely cutting CNN into shreds. Which couldn't happen to a, a bigger bunch of crooks, obviously. But uh, that's interesting, the exposures there. Uh, the fact that uh, James O'Keefe also won and overcame that motion to dismiss. What's it? What, what is it? What is it? Uh, 12B6? Isn't that it, Chris? He overcame, I guess, a 12B6 up there in New York State court at the new york supreme court it was the eighth decision against the new york times in since the 60s by the way i heard somebody comment on it last night and um 
what that allows O'Keefe to do is to now go and put the writer and the editor and some of those types of people that were involved in the slander on on depositions and interrogatories, but particularly depositions, and he's going to do the deposition, or at least his attorney will at his direction, and he's going to film it, and he's going to release the film. Uh, also, because of that victory, and there's an awful lot of people all of a sudden talking about going after these people litigiously. Uh, this interview with him last night was on Hannity, and they've done a few numbers on Hannity. He's going, I'm considering doing this too, and maybe everybody else is. And we'll just start doing the defamatory lawsuits jumping on these guys because they've been pretty successful in that area. And uh, even though they've got, you know, troughs full of this paper slush money they still hate to part with it okay and especially what was that you, word go, what was that word you used disamatory i don't know what context harvey defamatory defamatory is what oh I meant. defamatory okay sorry my <laughs> my artillery ears are yeah well <laughs> you know you got and i there's a fine there's some differences i'm not sure the fine point differences legally but between slander and libel yeah okay so well uh, and there was a nice little clip of uh lynn wood somebody took on a phone up at that must have been the south carolina republican meeting and explaining some stuff showed up on our forum this morning uh, there's, there's a lot of this stuff in the continued, so, you know, Sidney Powell and those folks are still battling in the background. The Arizona, uh, thing in Maricopa County is still moving forward. And I noticed that Pulitzer was the guy's name Pulitzer that he's a Jewish guy too. The one that has all of those patents, uh, that, that can tell what the ballot was folded, mailed, what day of the week it was printed on, all that kind of stuff. They agreed to use his system in their forensic uh, examination of those battles. And I saw There's, a statement he made that he was offered $10 million uh, to fix the thing or something the other day. He came out and said that. So um, anyway, a lot of things are happening on a lot of different areas. These guys are kind of panicky, I think, uh, to the point where they're calling – the ADL has got their their jet jockey there. What's his name? Goldfarb. Well, who's the, who's the new clown that's at the uh, ADL that took Abe Fox in his place? Gold. He, he he's one of these little. You just want to slap him upside the head, little Jew guys. Uh, it's gold something. I think he's calling for openly for Tucker Carlson to be yanked off the air. <laughs> So everything's focused, and I, here's Tucker, this little journalist, you know, just damn good at what he does. And he's got a premier platform and a particularly good slot, and he has really picked up the mantle. Did anybody see his uh, uh, his retort to the ADL on that? Now, they got publicly on CNN and maybe other platforms and call for that, by the way, and somebody – a diligent, I heard uh, Jones refer to it. Somebody had seen this and sent it to him. And on the ADL website, there's a piece about why they can't let the Arabs into and vote in Israel. 
And of course, it's you can imagine what that says, but it's right there on the ADO website. And here they are calling for Tucker Carlson because Tucker Tucker Carlson used the exact phrase: "Is it white reclamation? Is that it, Jeff? Is that the the term? I want to. I may not have it correct. White replacement. That's it. Okay. And what what does it mean? It means they're bringing in a bunch of other ethnicities to replace the oh, white vote okay. so they'll never lose another one. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so he he dared to use the word that they use in their own literature and it's their own label, but he can't use it. You know, same thing. Well, you're not a Jew. You can't eat our food. You're not Jewish. <laughs> you can't have that gefilte fish. Gefilte fish on matzah. Mmm, yum. Those gefilte fish, you know those gefilte fish? Man, they're hard to catch. Um, (laughs) One of my Jewish roommates used to say that. I said, boy, those gefilte fish, they're really hard to catch. Uh, The the message spreading a little bit. I've gotten uh, uh, email correspondence with the guys place put the link on the Spingol interview up on gab and people are starting to uh you know put it out there and i was uh, reminded that our own james is with us today recent uh, addition to our group out of north carolina and i asked him as he was getting started with us where he learned about it said somebody put something about it in a forum that he visits and so this is again back to the idea that you see, I can't visit all those forums, and just quite frankly, I'm I'm not gonna. You know, I mean, I've got a certain amount of time and energy. I've devoted a majority of my life to this. At this point, I've come to the understand Roger just can't do this, and it's got to be a team effort. And if we're going to have any kind of effect that we would like to get generated, it's going to come because there's a team involved. Okay, and it's people like on the 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 friends that you email with, or if you're on any of those forums, or if you're on Gab, and you might the guy that put it on Gab. Just I notice people repost stuff all the time on there. I don't spend a lot of time on Gab, but when I do, I see particular people that I guess I follow or whatever that posts a lot of the same things over and over again. Repetition is the key. That's one of the reasons that radio advertising works. You know, when you when you hear a song over and over and over again or you hear a commercial over and over and over and over again, it's because it works on frequency. In other words, not the frequency it's broadcast at, but the frequency you hear it at. Uh, so, you know, drill, practice, rehearse, and uh, just keep putting it in front of people, and they may not have been receptive to it uh, the last time that, it was in front of them, you know, may have had a bad, a fight with the boss or had an argument with the missus or a mister or something like that. And it came across your desk there and you weren't of the frame of mind. And, uh, next time it's posted, the uh, situation may be different and there you are and you go, wow, I need to look into that. So you just never know, but, uh, that's what we need to do to help because our timing is real good. There's, a lot of people frustrated, a lot of people looking for answers. And I see some of the folks that have uh, 
you know, come across this since we started our recent push with the Matrix document uh, and some of those folks that have come online. And it, you, you can see that people get it, you know, gradually they get it and, and it takes a little while to filter down and they start untying the knots and they start getting their arms around the whole picture here and getting a little bit more settled in the new reality. And then you can start taking action because now your confidence is up. Uh, all the things are starting to work in our, your favor so yeah here's, anyway here's a 50 cent word for you Ooh, goody. roger and harvey goody, goody. Uh, they have to be attenuated they have to be capable and have the desire to hear when you're willfully deaf or you don't have the ears tuned to the information and able to ingest it you can't comprehend what the significant is in fact you might be suffering truth dysphoria or severe truth challenged it's it's difficult to, it's for new people to because there's old things that go back to civil war 14th amendment the idea that i mean how new is that harvey now we know why the civil war was fought it was set up totally by using tariffs and the other exacerbating situations of the day so they could get this 14th amendment through that's exactly why that happened Okay. Yeah, that was part of it. The whole, my view of the whole war was that it was set up for the New York business and banking interests. The Northeast. Say the Northeast, because there's a bunch of Boston uh, opium money, a lot of Newport, no doubt slave money. Don't forget the biggest slave market in the whole damn country was Newport, Rhode Island. The very first Mm -hmm. synagogue in the United States was in Newport, Rhode Island. But all the ships that were transporting slaves were from the Northeast. There were no no Southern ships in the slave trade. No, very few Gentile ones. If, if memory serves me correctly, South Carolina tried to outlaw the importation of slaves, but just like smugglers in England and rum runners down on the Gulf Coast and you know all these other, they evaded it. They they'd sail into uh, obscure waters and unload their living cargo. They go down to Savannah. Kind of like the Suez Canal. Yeah, kind of. Listen, that's something I wanted to bring up. Thank you, Jeff. Um, We were talking before the show. Uh, Did you see on this O'Keefe expose last night with this big technical director from CNN, and one of the comments he made was, after Matt Gates, we're going to start concentrating on climate change. Did you all see that? Yes, and pushing the fear factor. Okay. And now also last night over on BitChute, there's an Indian uh, channel, and it's in Indian, like India with the dot on your forehead. And uh, they're talking about this Suez Canal thing with Evergreen or Evertree or whatever it was, and it was tied into that, and there was a whole bunch of stuff on that ship that was dealing with something they're going to do with climate change. And it screwed everything up because it got stuck there for 10 days in the canal. So it was just interesting that right there last evening, those two things were pretty adjacent to each other. Here, climate change comes up. Bam, is one of the next things we're going to be dealing with. And that comes from 
One of them comes from this guy from inside CNN. Okay. Yep. So be be prepared for something. We know that they are going for the gold ring here and that they're going to bring out everything in their capabilities to accomplish it. And we know they use food. We know they use weather. We know they use all kinds of unfathomable false flag things like flying airplanes into buildings and stuff like that. So we know that there's no telling what to expect, but you can expect some big things coming. And as somebody said, maybe it's Cliff High in a tweet. He said, man, if you're having a hard time and uh, dealing with what we're dealing with now, you better just really buckle up to the bar because what's coming super severe. Okay. Uh, Roger. Yes, sir. I think one of the things that slows the message down uh, or slows the number of of uh, people bailing out of U.S. citizenship is a fear that that they're going to lose all of their property. Yeah, I mean, and, there's all kinds of unjustified fears because people won't take the time. We mentioned yesterday. I don't know if you heard it, Harvey. Early uh, ten years no. ago, up there just north of you, around Sevierville, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. which is, I believe, where Dolly Parton's from, isn't it, Sevierville? Yeah, right around there. Uh, yeah. And uh, the guy had a radio station. He's an older guy. He'd had it his whole life. He used to simulcast all of GCN stuff and Alex and do all these micro-broadcaster programs and stuff. And I, one of my students had a friend of his that was one of his broadcasters and started presenting our stuff here to him, and he wouldn't put it on the air. You know why? Mm-hmm. It's afraid of them because our stuff involved at the in those days particularly a passport and he thought that every all of his listeners would would go through it a bunch of them wouldn't leave the country that's nuts. Never looked into it any further than that. Got the information put in front of him, took that and made that decision. Therefore, our stuff never got exposed to that real ripe audience up there. Just 10 years ago after we started, you know. Well, one of the things that occurs to me is that it would, you know, South South Dakota passed some absolutely awesome legislation yes, they have. on on trusts. Yes, they have. And from what I've read, I read an article oh, a couple of years ago uh, by someone in the New York Times whining, crying crocodile tears about uh, the South Dakota trusts, uh, how they were unbreakable. They were just in- unassailable. So it seems to me it would be very good for someone to learn how to set up trust so that people could get their property over in oh, trust. We've got we got a trust expert on board already. Who that? Brent. That's what he specializes in. In fact, I, I'm glad you brought it up because we can plug it on his Saturday Law program. You know, he does yeah. two programs. He does a Sunday service, which I should really key into. I always forget about it, and it's already started. But uh, on Saturday, he does a lot of things. He's been doing it different topics for a long time, and he's doing it on trust now. They just started a couple of weeks ago. So this is something that uh, a number, if you've got an interest in that area, go over to commonlawyer.com. 
go up to the events tab and click on that and it'll give you all the instructions and the click through stuff on it and you can go sit in on that now i did want to mention harvey a story that came out of south carolina you know that's where glenn is now by the way um south dakota yes south, uh, south carolina yes yeah, south dakota right um mm-hmm. so um why why he's up there <laughs> weird anyway likes, that's right uh, that's where you know he, he's up there working on that all that stuff he's doing and maybe we'll get him on the program one of these days he's been keeping his periscope down i think everybody like every a lot of people he's psychologically affected you know i mean glenn was a annapolis guy you know did his did his marine corps navy stuff and very patriotic and all, all that stuff and to see these things happen at the last part of your life after you fought them and had them beat man he had him beat in court, and they and and is so. He said, "Roger, the tax stuff is so complex that not only can the jury not understand it, the judge can't understand it." Yeah. And when they came and got that push code O nine uncovered as to what it was, and tried to keep getting it in discovery, and the feds would not come off of push code O nine. Okay, and in fact, they had Department of Justice issue a nationwide judicial moratorium on anybody bringing up push code 09 in any case in the federal court system. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And so Glenn goes, well, how do you, you know, how do you fight that? You can come with the truth and this is what you get. So I'll go put my efforts elsewhere. Well, our, our effort here is a little different. You know, we can get some satisfaction. You got, obviously he couldn't get remedy. We can get remedy, not only bigger than that, but the one that affects that one through another door. And that's what makes what we do here so important, you know, really. But in this South Carolina and the trust thing, Harvey, this is quite interesting. It was a recent case. South South Dakota. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yes. Sometimes the subconscious just, (laughs) I guess I got South I Carolina on the brain. So what happened up there recently, subsequent to their passage, they've become a trust state where people all over the world are, are piling in up there. Okay, That's right. It's, it's, it's a big deal. All right. I'm not sure all the intricacies of it. I bet you Brent would know a bit about it. But I do know this case happened. The first guys that opened up a high-speed trading firm, they were like government employees. I don't remember if it was NASA or whatever, but they were they were IT heads, and they got fired, and they started the first high-speed trading program in the guy's house, him and a couple of his buddies, and his wife was basically the secretary. You know, she took all the calls, scheduled the meetings, acted in that, and as they grew, well, they've gotten to be huge, you know, multi-gazillion dollars and all that stuff now, and so he divorces her. And he had put her in a trust, had everything in a trust in South Dakota, okay? And one of the nuances of the South Dakota trust laws are that you can change a trustee without informing the beneficiary. 
and they went in and she had everything as the beneficiary in a trust and they came in before he had divorced her and married another younger woman obviously uh he went in and changed the trustee they didn't have to notify her so she didn't know the trustee had been tra- uh, changed and the trustee drained drained the trust Mm-mm. okay so that just happened within the last year, year and a half or so. I just remember the story, and it was intricate, and it had to do with that. And there's one of those nuances of a South Dakota trust, and I don't know if that's been changed or not. Okay, But as of the recently in this case, which amounted to, hey, man, a ton of money, Millions. a bunch of money, okay, yeah. and uh, that happened. And so just those are the kind of things, these little tripwires that this legal field offers, you know, it's loaded with them. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, seems like a smart way to go is with those trusts. It is. Remember the trusts are certainly used for property. See, here's the problem that the Patriots got into is they mm-hmm. want to use the trusts as a tax vehicle. And a trust isn't necessarily a tax vehicle. You're trying to get it to do double duty if you're setting it up for that purpose. Because it's really to hold property. Okay? It's to deal with property. And uh, they're kind of intricate. You have to do a lot of things correctly. There's, You know, the thing is, there's a whole bunch of them. There's over 100 different types of trusts. Okay? Gosh, I didn't know that. All kinds of little nuances and stuff, common law trusts and all this stuff. And, of course, you got uh, all of the uh, the big guys, Rockefellers and all those. Remember, who, who was it? Teddy Roosevelt was the trust buster, right? Yeah. Came in and busted the Standard Oil Trust, some of the other ones, but Standard Oil particularly, right? Well, they yep. let them grandfather in into a trust that existed before that big major change of legislation and 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 uh, what do you what, regulation? Okay, and so but those trusts were grandfathered in. So the Rockefellers and the, all them have a trust that they could have back in the eighteen hundreds that you can't have now. Hmm. Yeah, broke it up into Standard Oil of Indiana and Standard Oil of New Jersey. Oh, it was about eight different companies. If you go back and see, you'd you'd recognize a bunch of them. They all became independently powerful. But uh, you know, your discussion there causes me to have a couple of considerations. And of course, we know that these foundational, these institutional trusts they set up are very dangerous. And that Seste KV trust has some very interesting aspects to it i think that might be worthy of some examination something i've really never spent time looking into because i know there's a and i I guess anna von reich uses that a lot see my question is what what did this this trust however you say it how did that interact with the 14th amendment well whenever they created this fictitious entity for to be managed by Congress, the so-called U.S. citizen, uh, somewhere along there, and I'm not sure when they set it up, but they started looting all this money. They would create this fictitious amount of money that they projected on the life income they would put on deposit, 
to so they could manage the trust, administrate it, if you will, the trustees or whatever, uh, direct the trust. And this is what's, what's happened. The moneyed powers of the world understand this trust operation much better than any of us, I think, at present well, do. Sure. And this is what they've done. In fact, in giving uh, homage to a notorious criminal, Bertie Madoff died yes, at 82 That's right. I'm yep. guessing they probably gave him the special Johnson and Johnson and Jackson, and I'm guessing it was terminal when he got it. But, well, uh, they, the Jews uh, didn't like him at all because he preyed on other Jews. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> they eat their own, don't they? <laughs> Always. Always. Hey, Roger. Hey, is that our buddy Samuel? Yes, sir. Hey, man. Yep, and you know, the, the Madoff people that lost their money, they got like 75 cents on a dollar back. Where else does that happen? Oy vey. <laughs> they, they must have liquidated everything down to his toenail polish. <laughs> they had to sell the gefilte fish factory. <laughs> Anyways, I had two two points. Uh, what is uh, advice on a, a radio uh just something basic. It's a Yazoo FT4XR. It's like 75 bucks and an antenna to go with that. wonder if anybody can come in on that. And I heard that Texas is uh, got a referendum, or I don't know if it's a referendum or what, or a bill coming up where they're talking about eliminating property tax for the whole state. Don't know. We got a couple of Texas guys that hang around here that may have heard something about that. We can poll them, Samuel. Um, yeah, it's a, uh, I, I should have wrote the bill number down and stuff. It's a, it, There's an RBN broadcast around, I think it's 10 or 11 o'clock where they have the guys on that talk about at, uh, what's going on in Texas. At night or and in the daytime, a.m. or p.m.? A.m. Okay. And they, uh, they get into it quite a bit about, uh, you know, and they, they also talk a lot about the COVID and how all these laws are bullshit, et cetera. Um, Anyway. Well, they're just emergency power stuff is what all they're trying to enforce, and uh, they're they're getting confronted. They're getting exposed. There's a lot of people that are stopping to do it and confronting them, too, which is just fantastic when you see it. And, uh, you, you know, you just see them getting exposed more and more, and it's an interesting – I think we're a little more sensitive to it than the average bear – uh, but it sure is nice to see it happening. Yeah. I, uh, a lot of people are asking, well, the, the, the big thing they were saying is absolutely in the Texas Constitution, what these guys were saying, that all taxes in Texas have to be equal. Well, how the hell can you do a property tax that's equal? You know, you can't. Well, you can't, yeah. and that means that they've all got to be excise taxes. Right. Remember, That's excise taxes are uniform, and capitation taxes are apportioned. And right. equal is uniform. They're over on the excise tax side. And you couldn't really take an, an excise tax and make it uniform when it deals with property. It wouldn't work. 
Right. I wouldn't think. I don't know. Maybe they figure some way to do it. But anyway, uh, that would be interesting because all that is tied back to the fact that the reason you have those property taxes is because you, as property, can't own other property. Yeah, you know, it'd be a good thing to try to get into these guys. Uh, maybe I'll pay more attention and- Maybe they got well, a website or something. I find this, and you know, Jim, we were talking about it. We should have talked about it Monday. We didn't have a program. Uh, several of you, and I saw, have this guy, a Canadian guy, interviewed on using the birth, the birth certificate and all these comments and how they're filing cases in court and trying to get it to roll up to the responsible party and uh, all these kind of things. And I don't Chris really. James. Okay, well, I don't know his name, and I don't really understand their process, do kind of, but this is what I do know, is I heard him talking about property, property, and he never differentiated between the legal concept of property and the colloquial concept of property. Is that something that's important to understand in, in when you're considering any of these things? I would think it is. I didn't hear him mention any kind of differentiation. I'm not pointing a finger at him or anything. I'm just saying this. The reason we know that kind of stuff is because John Benson was my teacher. All right. And he was a very good teacher and I was a pretty good student like many of you. Okay. Many of you You are very, very good students. Okay. You're right, Roger. You know, you have to conceive of where you at and what relationship you have with the other, your status, your character, your nature. And if you don't know that there's only two statuses, you're either the master or the slave. And then if you're the slave and not the master, you got to know who you serve. And do you serve the great creator, the creator of all, or do you serve evil, wicked, perverse man in their legal scheme? Um, Josh Wallbuilder sent me, uh, he and I trade stuff back and forth, and he sent me an interesting link on uh, its uh, the title of the page, it looks like, is Living in the Private. And the big question in bold letters is, what is a person? And there's a whole page here dealing with natural person, this, that, and the other. And uh, But one of the things they mention in here, and they mention rights and duties, and there's a lot of different references involved. I didn't read it super thoroughly, but I did read it, and I noticed one of them, they jumped out, and it talked about your legal personality, okay? And I don't know that we've ever really talked about that in that maybe in the early days, but I haven't since too much. And your legal personality, it says here that there can be an endless supply of persons. And you see, that's not right uh, because there can only be as many persons as there are bodies of law that can offer rights. You can't just make up persons and and assign these things that don't have assignable bodies. In other words, if you're a quote-unquote person, an ecclesiastical person, back when the Catholic Church ran England, you would have to be uh, get your rights from the ecclesiastical law, which was in operation when the Catholics were in control, and then therefore you owed your duties in that or that person, all right? And that's your legal personality is those rights and duties. Where, from whence do you get those rights, and to whom do you owe those duties? And those those make up your legal personality because you could come, you could have more than one body of law. You, you're a person for couldn't you? 
Okay. You obviously, and so those are the kind of things that. Uh, uh, but it was interesting to be in this whole page, and if you want. If I can remember to do it, I'll post it at the end of today's show description on CastBox on this What is a Person. You can read into that. There's a lot in there on different identifications and whatever. I don't ever see it in here as put as simply as I'd like to put it here that, you know, a person is an entity to whom the law ascribes rights and duties. I mean, that's very short, very succinct, and extremely accurate. A, a person, a quote-unquote person, is a entity, entity because it can be a number of different types of structures, an entity to whom the law ascribes, gives, assigns rights and duties, okay? And if you get your civil rights via the 14th Amendment in that scheme, then it is to those who give you the civil rights that you owe the correlative duties. Let's put it another way. If I don't receive any rights under the scope and purview of the 14th Amendment, I don't owe any of the correlative duties, do I? Such as paying normally tomorrow's income tax. Isn't that right, Your Honor? You know, that's the, talked about the incident. It was very, I remember it. I can see it in my mind, Harvey. It was Charlie Gray getting prosecuted for failure to file, him handling his whole case per, pro persona up there. Charlie Gray, for the audience, he was not a very, he was, wasn't a very real impressive human specimen. He was a short little guy, kind of rotund, not notable in very, you know, any particular physical manners. And here he is sitting up there in front of the federal court. He's been very successful. He was a John Nelson student, by the way. You know, some of you have heard John's name thrown around here. And Charlie was a John Nelson student, and John had done pretty well with him, except he didn't know a lot of these things like John Benson had taught us. And the example was he's sitting up there in federal court. I don't remember, like, floor 19. What were the federal floors, 19, 20, and 21 or something in the Russell Building, Harvey, something like that. It was up there in one of the federal courtrooms. The judge was black, okay? And Charlie had been very successful. He'd gotten two or three other federal judges uh, subpoenaed and on the stand and did a pretty good job of, of, of uh, examining them, you know. You'll remember he got one of the Jewish guys up there and started uh, nailing him on, did you take the cold Nidre oath this year? Started getting to a whole thing on the cold Nidre oath, okay, with a federal Jew judge, all right? But one of this incident I'm talking about, at the, that point in the trial, he had, I believe, is the district director of the IRS on the stand. And yep. the guy's sitting there, and the courtroom's packed. There's not an empty seat in there. The jury's impaneled over on the side. The judge is presiding, a black judge. And the IRS guy, he's got those little glasses on. You know, all know what I'm talking about. When somebody that's your boss or something, and they've got those little half glasses on, you know, reading little glasses, and they can read, and then they look up over the glasses, and they're looking at you eyeball to eyeball. 
you know, and it was that situation right there. And he's reading the Code of Federal Regulations. I believe it was 6001, 60011, 60012, the, one of those. And the thing starts out says, any person, yada, 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 yada. And he reads that regulation in open court. You could have heard a pin drop, okay? And he looks over his glasses at Charlie, the little short, rotund guy, and he goes, you look like a person to me. And just exactly like our, our forum is right here, that's exactly how quiet that courtroom was. We were missing critical information at that time, right? Well, Harvey, I, I knew it, but, but he hadn't been exposed to it, see? So if he would have been armed with that, he'd come in and say, but, Mr. IRS District Director, a person, a legal person, is an entity to whom this law ascribes rights and duties. I am ascribed no rights, fraudulently or otherwise, under the 14th Amendment, and so therefore I owe no correlative duties, therefore I'm not that person. Exactly. What if he'd had command of that information right there in that oh, situation? Oh, that would have been. Well, it's kind of tough even then because you did accurately state uh, in, earlier in this uh, course, uh, you, you said it was difficult for the jury to understand. It's always difficult sure for the jury is. to understand. Sure it is. And, and they make sure that it stays difficult for the jury to understand. In fact, they make sure that it's impossible we for the jury to understand things. Don't forget for the audience, the way Harvey and I met 28 years ago, however long it's been, was yeah, I heard him time. on one of the local, I don't remember if it was SB or GST, but you were on one of the local radio stations talking about Fiji and you'd gotten into the Fiji movement and had, had they had contacted you because of that and something happening and you're on there. And I remember I was driving home up to Marietta on 75, right? And I pulled off the side of the road and wrote your phone number down. That's how we got in contact with each other. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. That was Harvey, and of course, I had a friend. Um, I've told, I hadn't told this story in a while. My good friend, you really great guy in Panama City, uh, Jeff. You know, I don't think you've ever met Harvey. He's a handyman, does great work. Okay, and he got called for jury duty, and the case was a murder case. All right, and it was a little diminutive female who had an abusive boyfriend who was drunk and he, they lived in a trailer and he had been whatever berating or doing something. And then he left and he went to come back and she grabbed his gun it was like a 45 or something, you know, up, up, with a hammer. Right. And had the hammer pulled and the guy had made it a hair trigger. Okay. And all she did was just breathe on it. And he was at the front door and she killed him. All right. And so that was the case he was on the jury for. And he brought, he brought in a Fiji booklet into the jury deliberation room. And he said, Roger, they went absolutely berserk. Okay? And he said, now get this. They'll let us with the jury have the murder weapon, the gun, and they'll let us have cartridges in the deliberation room, but I can't have a Fiji booklet. So, which do you That's think right. they, they're scared of? That's exactly right. Uh, 
I always thought that was really funny, man. Yeah. Well, I tried to tell people that you put the Fiji booklet in your brain. <laughs> right. And that's and that's the way you get I mean, it in there. Har- for the audience, Harvey and I, and uh, there's some other guys too, we shut down. I'd forgotten about this till you reminded me of it, honestly. Mm-hmm. They're in downtown Atlanta, very adjacent somewhat to where the Omni and all the sporting events are. I guess the Mercedes Dome is and all that. Yeah, uh, pretty close to that in that area is the Richard B. Russell Federal Building. And it's... How many floors? Thirty floors? Thirty, forty? No, floors? I don't. I don't. No, so, no, no. It's not. It's not nowhere near that tall. Well, anyway, think. it's a number. It's a multi-story building, and all the federal yeah, offices sure. and stuff are in there. And Dean Dean Rusk had a had an office in there. I remember. Uh, and Did he? Some of that stuff. But anyway, we literally shut that building down, handing out Fiji brochures. <laughs> well, Judge William O'Kelly, Chief Judge. That's right, O'Kelly. Roger, uh, good yeah. question on a jury. My understanding is uh, there's a difference between a trial by jury and a jury trial. One, the judge gets to make the decision regardless of what the jury says, and the other, of course, uh, the jury makes the decision. They, they call that one a bench trial. It's where the judge makes the decision. Well, I heard that you've got to set that trial from the start. As a trial by jury. You're probably right. Trial. Well, I mean, it, like with any lawsuit, Samuel, you can define your terms at the lawsuit. And if that suit ends up in the Supreme Court and you said white is black, up is down, all that stuff, those are the terms that would apply at the Supreme Court. Okay. And I can also tell you this from personal experience. When you're in process of going from one level to the other district courts where you bring it, then you can appeal it to the appellate level. Then you can appeal it to the Supreme Court. If you don't bring something up as an issue in the trial at the bottom level, you can't bring it up and inject it later on in the process. Yeah, the the retired federal judge said that everything is in the process and they don't have any process if you're your jurisdiction well it's just just like brent says see they're talking about the merchant law now and it is designed to achieve a goal okay where the common law the common law is the process that's an important differentiation and designation to be able to make in your mind. Theirs is designed to achieve a goal. Ours is designed to achieve a thorough, thorough rendering of the processes involved, and the truth will come out the other end. To your point, sorry about the dog there. He, he must have saw me uncue it here. Um, I was going to say that Harvey uh, inhaled too long before he said his next word being a Georgia boy down there. and Samuel kind of cut in the middle of his rendition I was listening pretty closely to. But I'm wondering if Harvey knows a Paul Nally down there in Georgia that goes on some other calls I go on that's a pretty savvy law dog himself. And he had made some suggestions uh, when he was here in my situation that I might want to preface my paperwork with my grand jury complaint to exclude 
any barred licensed attorneys from having a look at it when it goes to the grand jury clerk, ex officio clerk of the court, to preclude them from intervening and interceding in this public corruption interest case. And in fact, I was just looking at some very uh, intriguing language this morning on Title 18 U.S. 245 violations, and some of the secrets I was looking for were in there, and also a letter from the Civil Rights Division that says under Section 14141 of Title 42, the FBI doesn't investigate civil violations, but if under the police misconduct statute, misconduct statute, it gives the Department of Justice the authority to seek civil remedies uh, in a pattern and practice and so on and so forth. And this is really, really quite curious. And this Title 18 U.S.C. Section 245, which is federally protected activities that I'm looking at, it has a quite a bit that it gave me the secret of the answer I was looking for as to who to notify, and you must notify the AG or the assistant AG or the associate AG or his designee uh, to get a certification before you sue in a public interest to sue the entity, the corporation, the agency that's harmed you. And this is kind of what I was wondering about with Harvey, if he knows this Paul Nally down there, because this guy's pretty savvy, too. He's in the same league with uh, Harvey and uh, a little bit with me and others that on this call that watch this stuff very, very closely. I've never heard of him before, Chris, for my two cents. Harvey, are you familiar with Mr. Nally? Harvey might have dropped off or something. He's uh, let's see, yeah. Well, he's not with us, so we can uh, continue to ask him. I'm not sure at what point he dropped off there, um, Chris. Me neither. But uh, I'm listen. I saw a video that I'd like to send you. Maybe if I send it, are you are checking your Telegram lately? You're not, are you? I will today. Well, I'll send it to you if you will. And uh, it may be something you want to follow up on. It's a guy who has trained this dog named Jumpy. Did Jeff, y'all watch that yet on Jumpy? Uh, a couple of minutes video on all, all how he's trained Jumpy and how to contact him and stuff. You may want to watch this in relation to your, your little uh, Yorkshire Terrier there. Although it may be too old to train like Jumpy here, but I guarantee you'd be impressed, Chris. I will look at it. Yes, sir. Jumpy. Pretty cool. Is that Daryl? Daryl Wayne that's joined us there? We lost yep. Harvey and got Daryl. Well, I guess a, that's a fair trade. Yeah. yeah. Hey. Hey, man. How's everybody doing? Pretty good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I haven't been around for a while. It's a busy time of the year. A lot of, that's before a lot of summer. people with tattoos going yeah, well, they're yeah. getting their bikes. You know, they got all the visions of their summer uh, uh, little sojourn with their masks on. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Bikers, bikers have been known to wear masks and uh, face shields long before the uh, uh, COVID. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, well, I, I I picked up. I was listening. Uh, on Euro folks there. And, uh, you were talking about Samuel 
was talking about property taxes and you were having that conversation mm-hmm. and I know I I just think a lot of this stuff is uh, you know fantastically uh, you know pretty much irrelevant from a actionable point of view until the people that are uh, engaged in uh, exploring what some of the options are actually comprehend what's in uh, the uh, two pages of Escaping the Matrix. They don't stand a chance. They're clueless. Yep. And and uh, until they until they actually comprehend that, uh, they will make uh, circular arguments, and 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 then feel very self righteous in proclaiming their ignorance, and uh, and the same result will uh, come about. So, when are we going to start <laughs> hearing about Jewish reparation payments? Maybe all the great insurance companies and banking houses that they're uh, foundations were built on the yeah. slave trade. I'd like to see some uh, some of those, well, those remittances. Would, those, would have to, you? those would have to come out of the city of London. Uh, so if we're going to talk, uh, if we're going to use the J word, uh, uh, we're going to have to identify it correctly, and that would be out of the city of London. So the the people that that are bellyaching about their their so called property tax, which is not a property tax. That's your that's your liege tithing to your liege. Okay, that's what that is. Let's call it what it is. You're tithing to your liege in the feud. You're paying your feud. Okay, this is what this is, and we here again we 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 shoot ourselves in our own foot when we use language that doesn't really identify it for what it is. And the reason people don't understand, comprehend, uh, cognize the feudal system is because we don't throw it in their face or somebody hasn't. I don't know if we have to necessarily, but uh, this is, this is the, uh, you have to, we have to, they have to, (laughs) to be effective. Okay. If the objective is to be effective, you have to use the correct language, and uh, those are your leisure lords, and you are tithing your feud. That's that's your feud. That's your contractual obligation in the feud, uh, and you're not going to understand that unless it won't become it will it won't become material to you. Let me put it that way. Um, until you comprehend what's on that first two pages of escaping the matrix you won't get it you you actually literally have to cross over that that uh, you know they they have we hear this language a lot now the the brain barrier you know about your immune system uh and and until this crosses over that brain barrier that people have uh and a lot of people i like uh, have that same defense defense me- mechanism in there until it crosses over that brain barrier uh, <clears throat> all this talk about legal legalisms and 
uh, 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 what 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 you're in and what they're doing and blah blah blah. That's just that's just going to go through like uh, a colander when you're straining spaghetti. It, it goes around in circles. It's all circular reasoning. It has no effect. And, and I I can make I can make that outrageous claim because all I have to do is look at history. All I have to do is look at the last 150 years, and um, uh, I dare anybody to re- rebut or refute, refute it. Go ahead, Samuel. I interrupted you there. Yeah, I, wouldn't it be great if these guys are doing this Texas thing, got in that bill somehow where everybody who claims their true status as a state Texan would then not have to pay their property tax? I think that would get people's attention. Well, for, yeah, and, uh, see, that's, this, is a, this is an impressive point that Samuel just made, very impressive point. Uh, and, and I would agree with that uh, what, uh, what tactical are the, what application are the, of the information, but go ahead. What are the property taxes? What do they include? Why? Are you asking me? What are you asking well, me? Yeah, I'm throwing it out there because I think it's an an important thing for people to understand. Property tax, you just say, I'm going to pay for the house, you know. But what is that? It's bond issues that they have gotten voted through generally so they could do schools, local schools, and all kinds of pave some kind of special road or build some kind of special bridge or a special project. And those are all bond issues that you've been obligated to because you live in the community and because of your status underlying and because your house is on the property rolls. So you not only have to change your status, You've got to go in and pull the property off the property rolls to stop well, paying yeah, the, the taxes. Biggest, yeah. The biggest travesty in all of that, Roger, is a big chunk of that, of course, is to educate our children, so-called free I know, education. I know, man. Exactly what the state wants them to well, think. I, I know. <laughs> I, see, these people are so I, diabolical, yeah, okay? Yeah. And that's what I was going to mention a yeah. minute ago when Daryl was starting to talk. How diabolical and in the originality in their thinking was it to include and base it on a system that they know full well that none of us have any association with and we're not going to have in the future because they make damn sure that you don't get exposed to it. Right. Well, uh, just, just to briefly address what uh, Samuel was talking about earlier as a, as a, as a tactic to include in their bill, uh, that would be all well and fine and be highly effective, Samuel, if provided, if it should happen, that they understood what we're talking about here. If they understood the first two pages and then actually put uh, that that relationship quality into that bill, then that would have uh, actionable intelligence. That would be actionable then. If they don't, if they would put that in there and they don't understand it, cognize it, comprehend it, it's pointless. Okay. It, it, it doesn't mean anything. This is why, this is why an effeminate country that we are, we're effeminate, effeminate. Uh, uh, this is why uh, you can't uh, uh, defend uh, your, what you call your rights. And uh, so the, you, have to, you have to know that. You, starting right there, those first two pages, you have to have it down cold. 
otherwise you won't think you have the right and the duty to defend the usurpers. And who are the usurpers? This is, this is how stupid – I'm using the S word here. This is how stupid people are. Okay? This is how fantastically moronic they are. They are under a, a diluted mythological impression, childish – that the U.S. government there is there to defend their constitutional rights. This is how stupid they are. No, that that is not their job. That's your job, Bubba. Okay, and if you're effeminate, you ain't going to do it. If you're ignorant and effeminate, you really ain't going to do it. And we have a bunch of effeminate, ignorant, uh, she men that uh, can't even control their own damn houses in their own personal lives, let alone keep these witches like Clinton and Pelosi and the rest of these these uh, this gaggle this coven in place. So, you know, we we have. I mean, you know, these are the fundamentals. You you have to build on the fundamentals, and. Uh, you have to know that information and you have to identify what you're in. You're in the feudal system and you are a plebe. You're a serf. You're a valeen. And you ask for protection for allegiance and allegiance for protection. And that's what you're doing. And that's where you get your benefit. And you have to understand that each and every one of you, even here, every benefit you get is somebody else's liability. Stick that in your head, okay? And that's what that—that's exactly what that's—that's no. that's socialism. That they want—they want—they want you ta- they want you in their society so that you can get the benefit and you can't bitch because you're getting your benefit. And that benefit—that's an interesting word, and it's got some ramifications too because everything they necessarily label a benefit ain't a benefit. And I would proffer so your social security account is that. Okay. A benefit is something you may apply to Social Security for if you've been injured and you want disability payments or something like that. But that's a benefit. Okay, If it's money that you agreed to and contracted with them to take a little bit out of your pay every, every however for 40 quarters and then regurgitate 10% back and let them steal 90%, that ain't a benefit. That's money that was yours that they took and... Right. stole from and returned to you and i'd i'd get it and i'm very grateful for it these days because i would have well, I, never i would, I would just, yeah. i'd have never saved that pittance that they took out of some of those little checks i used to get when i was younger i'd have never saved that or i could have utilized it later in life and i've got some utilization out of it here so i've got to be grateful uh, uh gratitude's a really I would big re- attribute that we don't use enough okay go ahead i'm sorry i I would re-identify that roger as a as a commercial annuity contract uh a good way uh, to put it yeah it's a it's a commercial it's a commercial annuity you enter into an agreement you were vested in it and they have a commercial obligation this is a this this is a commercial obligation Mm -hmm. on their part Mm -hmm. good you had a commercial obligation on your part the commercial a ucc it's a contract. It's a it's a private contract. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> for public purposes. Uh, and, and for their public. <laughs> for their public's purposes. And and you can contract in. You can contract into their public. Okay? Because it's a different society. But again, it's right. not the nexus to the system. Just because you make that agreement with I it doesn't obligate. I know, I, I know. I'm just it clarifying it for right. new people. Okay. Because there's a lot yeah. of that missing disinformation in our community out there. And it's just not a nexus. That doesn't yeah. give OSHA, me, EPA, and all these yeah. other agencies the right to come to your door. Okay. And knock on and say, me, why aren't you following yeah. this regulation? Yeah. Go ahead. Well, I just, I just want to blow something else out of the water here. I'm, I'm so, I'm bored to tears with it. It makes me ad nauseum. My, my rights are unalienable and or unalienable. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. Well, listen, Jack. Uh, yeah, that's true. That's true. I, I, I won't debate that. But here's what you can do, uh, uh, Boobus. Uh, you can contract out. You can contract into some some other uh, obligation that does, Elena. You can contract them. You can contract out of them. Can't give them away. Can't transfer them. They can't take them away. But listen, everybody forgot something here. You can contract them away. And that is voluntary. Right. That's voluntary. Yep. You don't do it and, and unless it, well, you, you agree yeah, to it. Yeah. And so here again, go look in the mirror. Go look in the mirror, dummy. Hey, dummy, go look in the mirror. And, and, and okay. see, you just so hit I'm it. so tired of it. You just hit it, Daryl, because <laughs> that's why they set this yeah. whole system up. So they don't have to worry with that. All they have to do is ask you. And it can be in a fraudulent method. And if you agree with it, well, yep. you ought to know what you are, shouldn't you? <laughs> I mean, listen, it's brilliant, yeah. this system uh, they've set up. Okay. Well, they they prey on people's uh, base nature. Okay, well, fun, people are fundamentally fundamentally lazy. They want they, I, they, it's, as long as it's convenient convenient they'll they'll be compliant. Well, you okay, know, if, if most people have their immediate life in perspective, you know they're they're married, they got a job, they know they need to keep their job if they like it, unless they're looking for a new one. But one of that solid career path brings a lot of peace of mind. And you got to admit peace of mind in this life is pretty important. Can be. And you might have children. You're worried about the scope of them, you, your wife and whatever, your spouse. All these things are your main concern because those are your day-to-day -day and your long-term kind of basis. You don't go around and think about what can we do to entrap and slave and totally control mankind. Well, look at it from the other side. Why, 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 why don't they look at uh, uh, how they are being entrapped and enslaved? Uh, so, so I, I mean, I don't disagree with that. I, I mean, listen, I've uh, been able to work my way through the larger parts of this over time, and I've run a full business and had a life too, and uh, and do all kinds of things. So, uh, but you can't do it if you're lazy. No, okay? you can't do it. No. if you have a low, if you have a low threshold, uh, uh, whether it be uh, work, uh, 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 work ethic. Or if you if you're not if you don't if you're not curious, okay, if you're not curious and you don't have any imagination, you're okay, not, you're not going and, too far. And, and, and and if and if you have a problem 
with your uh, with your pecker or snorting coke or looking at porn or being uh, uh, lustful for all the material crap and you prioritize your life so that you are co- constantly consumed in all your waking hours in uh, the maintenance of all those four said issues, then you don't have time for that. So when people say they don't have time for this, I, I just, I laugh at them. I laugh at them. I think it's funny. I said, well, enjoy your slavery then. Okay. Because you have, you don't have your life in priority. You haven't prioritized. And if you can't prioritize your, your actions of your day and your life. Okay. Then you're, then you're, why, why should I be responsible for it? And you're intellectually lazy is the term I like, Daryl. Yeah. You cannot be oh, yeah. intellectually so, lazy and pursue yeah. this. I, I, uh, I, I've kind of just sort of gotten a little bored with uh, blaming them. <laughs> I, 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 w- I would rather I would rather beat up on the people that are bitching. <clears throat> I try and beat up on the audience all the time. Look, I see it's right in front of you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they're doing it. Yeah, we know who they are. We've known who they are. We've known their methods, their wiles, if you will. We've known the wiles of these people for over 2,000 years. It's written down for everybody to see right there. Okay. We know who they are. We know what they do. And to some extent, we know how they do it. You know, not as much as we do around here, but the average person knows a little bit about it, you know. Enough to be able to connect Samuel. the dots and go, yep. God, isn't this the same yep. bunch we're dealing with here today? This incident yep. on Tucker Carlson, you know, wanting to yank Tucker Carlson out of the air. And on the ADL website, it says, we can't let those Arabs in there. They'll overturn the Jewish state. <laughs> Arabs and Jews don't have a problem with each other. Well, they didn't before real, the Zionists came involved. They used to get yeah, along well, all right. Real, real, yeah. Arabs, uh, well, you know, uh, Muslims and Muslims and Jews, Muslims, Muslims and Jews, Mohammedans and Jews, 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 uh, Edomites and Canaanites—they don't have a problem with each other. Uh, listen, when when uh, Constantinople got taken down and turned into Istanbul, okay, when that happened, all right, uh, guess who? Uh, guess who did really good? Uh, in a uh, Muslim Mohammedan uh, center of uh, culture. The uh, well, the, uh, the Edomites and the Canaanites, they did just fine. And they expanded and built more synagogues. And there there wasn't any issues. Don me. The right? Don me. So uh, when the, uh, when the uh, Muslims uh, took over in uh, Spain and pretty much dominated it for 600 years, was there a problem with the uh, the Edomites and the Canaanites then? Nope. Right there? No, nope. no, they got along fine. They worked just fine. No, they got along fine. Mm-hmm. This is this is another false dialectic that's been poured it's- into your porous brain to give you a talking point and a perspective. A a war. Uh, this is psychological warfare, and the psychological part of it is is they have defined your perspective and you bought it. Okay. They framed the argument. And, they framed the argument. And, and and you don't know enough or or not you're not curious enough. You're too intellectually lazy, as Roger would say, to challenge it. You you bought it. You bought it. 
and and now we got you. All right. Uh, this is this is why this is why you bought you bought into the idea that the United States, who is there to protect your rights, freedoms, and liberties, uh, can go run around the rest of the world taking away everybody else's rights, freedoms, and liberties. Okay, and you don't see the contradiction. All right, <laughs> that's that's another great one. That's the false dialectic, and uh, I just use that as an example. But let me let me just share something here. I this is what I uh, this is what I predict. Okay, which doesn't take much of a profit to do that. And I'm not saying I'm a prophet. I'm just basing this off of history. William F. Ingdahl writes a book about four years ago called The Lost Hegemon. Whom the gods would destroy, they first make mad. Brilliant, isn't it? Brilliant book by Mr. Ingdahl. I highly recommend you read it because we are, well, not not unilaterally, but this place, this uh, this where this place has gone mad, and, well, it, and it is a hegemon. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's a hegemon. And uh, and you are doomed. You, everyone listening to this, or here is it later, you're personally doomed if they continue to do that. Go ahead. I, um, this is sort of a, a two-stage question. Part of it is Ron Gibson, it's for Daryl, and the other part is for Roger under tax code. Um, if, if, I'm, if, if, I, if I heard you right, Daryl, you said Ron Gibson uses the term shelter for your domain. I'm assuming he's doing that for legal purposes. And my question to Roger is I would call mine intellectual property and shelter because that's the one thing I think the IRS can't touch, right? For probably legal reasons, your intellectual property. Those are my questions. Hmm, uh, I'm, uh, taxation and those intricacies are not my specialty, Samuel. Um, so I don't know about that is the best that way to do is to get that affidavit and separate yourself from the tax code. And then, you know, it doesn't apply, but one of the things they can't touch is your work product. In other words, if you're, if you, with you, when you're out doing all your handyman jobs and they can't come in and take your saws and your skill saws and your hammers and all that stuff. What what they what they use as a uh, a uh, access to to your your uh, your properties and or your intellectual properties or any of it is if you were to patent it for one thing and if you were to associate with what you do and your equipment or your intellectual property with a uh, corporation and then and then you partnered with them. Okay, just the same way you part. It's the same process. It's this is all all commercial. It's all UCC. It's the same thing with your uh, your uh, spoiled little rotten children. Okay, you didn't get married before God. You got married before the state, and they're a party to the they're the party to the to the contract. Okay. okay. Can you can can you comment on using the word shelter and why? Well, it's just another way of using the term inhabitant, sojourner, dwelling, uh, any of those things that try and avoid some of the particularities that they've stuck on these other terms. 
It's a way of sidestepping. Yeah, well, it yeah, almost, I think she, yeah. a demure, almost Samuel. I would think. Shelter is probably a word that uh, word term that Ron's identified that has not been uh, weaponized right. by them, right? As of yet, okay, weaponized word terms. So, uh, I don't know. Uh, I I think you know the more that uh, like I talk with and work with people at uh, beginning understandings of this, the more more and more importance I realize that I can't talk about all this legal legalism and all this uh, other muckety muck and uh, uh, spaghetti. Uh, you have to keep it right down there because it, it has to be personal to them. <laughs> if really, it has to be emotionally personal to them. And I've said this, I said this years ago to you, Roger, I've said it over and over again. I really don't care what you think, what you think to me means is irrelevant because I know you're not going to work and take action on what you think you're going to take action on what you feel, how you feel about what you think. Okay. I'm not saying thinking's not involved, but you're going to take action on how you feel about what you think as a difference. And you, you, uh, everybody, a lot of people try to approach this from an empirical thinking analytical, just the facts, and now I've given you the proof, and of course now you understand that, and it doesn't work, and you're a fool if you keep trying to do it that way. Okay? Because it won't work. It doesn't work, and history proves it. Uh, so you have to, you actually have to take the time to earn the respect and develop a relationship with people before they will, and then you got to live it. Then you got to back it up, and if you're not, if you're not doing all those things, you're not going to get any traction doing anything. You won't even get any traction in your own life doing it because you don't even trust yourself. And there's a lot of people out here don't even trust themselves. The way we used to say that is people don't care how much you know until they yeah. know how much you care. And it's easy to say, but it's a lot harder to do. You actually got to walk this. You got to walk it. And and, there, and when you start doing that, you're, you'll know that you're doing it when you start losing friends and family. Okay, when you start doing that, then you're, you'll you'll know you're on the right path because people who you thought were your friends, the convenient, comfortable ones, yeah, they'll walk away from you. You're you're going to find okay? the difference between a friend and an acquaintance. So anyway, I I. Uh, you feel better? I'll, I'll put my. Uh, you feel better? I'll put my Baptist minister. Oh, I don't know. I, I sort of feel the same <laughs> way all the time, Roger. I just I just get tired of hearing people bellyache. Okay. I know. I know. And, uh, I, <laughs> I relate I, I to just, that. Just. Oh, I'm. I, I'm such a victim. I'm so sorry. Uh, somebody's picking on me. Uh, I, you were the same guy I used to kick the shit out of in the in the cla- in the in the schoolyard, aren't you? Huh? You were that same whiny little crybaby that I used to beat up on. <laughs> okay. Well, every 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 ten year old boy used to be. Every every ten year old boy knew that when the bell rang and we went outside, that somebody was going to get beat up. Okay, we all knew that. All right, but not now. That doesn't happen anymore. And you learned that you had to stand up to a bully, and you had to protect yourself. 
Okay. And, and people don't know that anymore. They, they've lost that. And, uh, so I'm not encouraging being a bully. Yeah. Isn't that exactly who these bastards are? That's exactly who these bastards are, man. And, and they, they just show it time after time over and over again. They're just a bunch of damn Jew thug bullies. Yeah. Yeah. And, and listen, if, if, if you've never taken a, taken a punch, if you've, if you've been able to get through this life and you haven't ever ever taken a punch figuratively or literally, then uh, this is going to scare you. You're going to, you're going to shake. You're going to think you were all grown up. I'm oh I'm a big grown up fifty forty five fifty fifty sixty seventy year old man. I don't know you're you're still that you're still that little sniveling ten year old kid that wouldn't defend himself. Oh that's that's just. But listen, uh, you know, and, and the good Lord tells us to come out of her. He doesn't say go down there and co-mingle with these guys and beat them over the head till they understand. Okay, he didn't tell us to do that. He said, come out of her, my people, come out of her. He said it twice. And he also said earlier on, your duty is just to tell them. If, if you've told them, your duty ends at that point. Okay. Now, should you not tell them, you've got a duty that's going to bear with you. But if you tell them and they don't heed it, well, tough nibbies for them. Okay. And that's where we are. And I've really taken that attitude on over the years. And I don't get upset about the, some of the people that don't get it anymore. I just shake my hands and, like I said, pray for them, you know, because that's about the only thing you can do for them and pray that that seed sprouts down the line at some point. It's planted. It's well, just got to uh, get germinated yeah. and sprout, okay? No, the only reason I take shots at them is because uh, uh, what I've learned uh, actually from a leadership role, leadership roles in responsible positions is that if you allow if you allow fear to uh perpetuate through uh, a group uh it'll spread like wildfire Sure will and and uh and uh so uh anyway <laughs> it it's not it's not for everybody it's not it's not and that's unfortunate but and once again it i tell you guys uh, you just don't know how special each and every one of you are to me now if you're out trying to proffer this information and put it in front of people you're getting an idea okay but until you do that you won't appreciate how rare it is for the people that truly honestly respond to this now our hope and prayer is it gets wider acceptance level as things get worse and it may we don't know but that is okay. a real situation here, and like I said, you just dwell on gratitude. Gratitude is a really healthy emotion. It can flush Jimmy, out uh, a lot of the negative ones. Gratitude can, and finding the things that you're grateful for and concentrate on them. Jimmy did what? Did he have him some some? Yeah. He tells me that he likes those biscuits and sawmill gravy type food. Yeah, I I expect you'll be two hundred pounds by the end of the year. <laughs> uh, 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 no, he. Uh, Hello. He, uh, yeah, we got somebody. He, he took a he took he took a couple of books and and gave them to the guys over at the shooting store. And I said, "You did what?" 
he's Jimmy's listening right now. I know he is. And and I said, you did what? He goes, yeah, I gave him the books. I go, oh, jeez, okay. So now, now I this morning I stopped by there and I gave him the uh, the two page uh, getting out of the matrix thing, and uh, they uh, they they accepted it. Yeah, they accepted it. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, somebody's somebody wants. To yeah, who here. was trying to say something a second ago? Came on board. Hola. Okay, well, whoever it was had their G two their was mute off. I, was that? I don't know if that was Jeff or not. Jeff, was that you, Bo? Somebody. Okay, well, must not have been important. It might have been an accident. Oh. Anyway, so Jimmy's stopping by and uh, educating the locals up. Uh, I would assume that you already had those folks well on their way, Daryl. Did you give them the uh, two page doc on oh. how to file a national? Yeah. How you, how to file your national no. statement? You can't. No, no. They're so they're so far they're so far away from doing anything like that. Okay. That okay. They're you, it, baby baby steps. Baby steps. Baby well, steps. the reason I, I it's say taken to, me it's taken me it's taken me five years to get five to years to gain any kind of credit credibility credibility to and 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 of course they're suffering. Suffering helps because they've had to suffer a lot. Okay, yeah, yeah. and nothing makes any sense. Yeah. Okay, the yeah. suffering is. See, this is why suffering is my friend. Mm. I want the suffering to continue and mm-hmm. increase because mm-hmm. it makes my job easier. Mm-hmm. My job gets exponentially easier every time they ratchet this up. All right, and that's that's just gravity. Okay, I, I want gravity to work for me. I'm not. I can't sit there and hold this up, hold this up all day for years and years. Okay, I want gravity. I'm going to use gravity to my advantage. Okay, and suffering, and what they're doing, the tyranny, is is a natural gravity that compels men to to move, to move, and and to ask action. a question. Take okay? action. Okay. So, uh, so now, uh, because I've been extremely patient, and uh, I I actually do what I say I'm going to do. And I've gained that um, uh, earned, I guess, well, in their minds anyway, that, that respect. Or uh, they said to Jimmy, you know, Daryl says all kinds of stuff, and, and we don't really understand most of it. Right. Okay. But now, but now, well, there must be something to this. <laughs> okay. Oh, well, what is it that I'm missing? Okay, that's a question that has to come from their mind. It isn't a statement or a declaration of me telling them that they've missed something. They have to, they have to, it has to come internally. It says, what am I missing here? Until they ask themselves that question. That's right. And the motivator, and they, they do, they are, and a lot of other people are too. They're asking themselves that question. That's an internal actionable motivation. It's an internalized action. It's not you telling them they're stupid and they don't know something and they should listen to you and that never works and it never will well they had so you have to wait previous they might have had a love of the truth and a desire to find it but they didn't have a thread or a path to run on so now all of a sudden they've got that and if they didn't have a love of the truth they'd been sent strong delusion then now they got a path and they'll start exercising it and walking it down at their own speed and comfort level (laughs) 
Okay. But the ones that don't have any love of the truth, they've still got the burden of being sent the strong delusion. And they're still believing in the yeah. lie. And you probably cannot do anything to change their course, their path, and their situation. In scripture, that's identified as the reprobate mind. They're reprobates. And, uh, uh, and they, so they, they, they don't have, uh, <laughs> they don't have well, discernment. As, as, they don't have, dis- they don't, don't have I, discernment. I, I was, a reprobate mind has no was, discernment. They, yeah. they, uh, they send them a, a strong delusion, which results in a reprobate mind. Uh, you know, I don't know. Is it chicken or egg? Well, uh, you know, uh, it's kind of like the difference between sin and iniquity, sin and iniquity. So if you sin, like, like Brent said, uh, if you sin, do we all sin? Yeah, I probably do on a daily basis. Do I knowingly sin? Uh, boy, if I do, uh, I'm, I'm rebuked. Okay. So the difference is, uh, do we all sin? Yeah. Uh, do we sin actively? actively knowing it and then doing it well then you're walking down that, that path aren't you yeah, yeah. you're walking down that path to a reprobate mind yep. so uh anyway i i just think that uh i just think suffering is just the greatest ally we have yeah and, i agree uh, I, <laughs> I and 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 see i i i've i've said this before i'll just keep saying it it's i it this is painful what I'm going to say. So every time you get hurt, every time you get hurt dealing with these people uh, in their society, in their contract, they are feeding off the carcass of your sins. They're feeding on your carcass of your sins. And, and uh, how do they do that? Well, through license. Okay. They're doing it through license. And fraud. And they, 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 and uh, we have to, we have to sort of come to terms with this. Uh, your, your participation and involvement in it, and the trouble with hanging around here and uh, or or other places too, for that matter. Uh, and hearing these things is once you've heard it, you can't unhear it. Yeah. And once you know it, you can't unknow it. That's right. And so, if they're feeding on you like they are, everybody, uh, what is that? Tomorrow, April Fool's Day. Uh, then uh, they're feeding on you because, listen, the bondholders have to be paid. We got to pay the bondholders. Come on, vigorous. You know, and I, I use the analogy, and I'm sure everybody can relate to this. If you take a pair of underwear, you know, and that that elastic yeah. seam, and you just put your fingers on each side and stretch it as hard as you can stretch it, that elastic band will never never go back to its original shape. And that's the same thing here with this information in your mind. If it gets in there and you're receptive, maybe you're not receptive, it still sneaks in there, hits you upside the head somehow, your mind can never snap back to the way it used to be. Now you've got to make a conscious decision to hide that information so it doesn't jaundice your little life that you prefer to lead. You don't want to face any of these things because they're damned uncomfortable, aren't they? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> 
because well, it uh, makes I, you I, I, put in you're put in a position where you either got to be a coward or you got to be brave and do something. Yeah. Well, that's that's pretty much the bottom line, isn't it? That's yep. pretty much the bottom line. It is. It is. So and uh so there's there's people out here that uh will do want to be a part of doing some of these and and uh there's uh this this has been going on for like like forever. Okay, there's nothing there's nothing there's nothing new here. I mean, look, you know? we found the book from 1577 about voluntary servitude. It laid everything out from 1577. Yeah. Well, here's here's one of the great things about reading old books. So I, I have some old uh, law books from the uh, 1890s here. I have several copies of them. And then I, I have some of the, uh, the revised volumes that go up into like uh, – uh, 1910, 20, and 38. And uh, you'll find discussions in those volumes about the feudal system. And also, uh, there uh, is a conversation about the settlement laws in uh, uh, not-so-jolly old England. Okay? And this is something that there's a, what a type form of, of feudalism that took place. What type, uh, what type uh, of settlement? And, and, well, the settlement laws, the settlement laws in England were associated with uh, the feudal system uh-huh. and and the Valene. And uh, you you had to live in this certain uh, uh, settlement in that you had an overseer of that settlement who was responsible for you and you couldn't live outside of it and you couldn't bring anybody else in. And so the people in England under the settlement laws, and this is, this was going on in the 1800s. All right. In the early 1800s, they, uh, they were basically in uh, containment, containment camps uh, that they called their villages and that's what lived in a village was a valine, and you couldn't you couldn't go outside of that. Do you know, and you had papers. Do you know who the other people now, that were subject to that? Does this sound familiar? Do you know the other? Does this people, sound familiar? But uh, Daryl, the other people that were subject to that exact same thing, because I've seen a bunch of their work on Antiques Roadshow, were in those days if they were fighting the French and the Spanish a lot, right? If they'd got captives they would bring back say french sailors and they would put them in a settlement like that they didn't have any kind of a prison they stuck them in that and a lot of them would take the bones from the meals that they were getting and they would fashion old ships and different little things like uh, what do they call that scrimshaw kind of stuff and they'd go out and sell it and that's the way they provided for themselves in many instances but there was no bars okay so it's very interesting to me, and I, I, I drew a parallel when you well, said that to the Villains. What now, I would recommend to anybody listening here is is go on your favorite search engine, type in uh, England and the settlement laws. I think you could do a search just that simple, England and the settlement laws, and uh, you would probably find a lot to read, and then you would see that 
uh, after you read through it, because, you know, it's short on time, and I read this about two years ago, but uh, you would see, you would take, what you would take away from that is that in the, in the neo-feudal system uh, 5.0 that they're rolling out, is that this, these, these same settlement laws and tracking laws yeah. and procedures and containment are just being applied now as they were in England during that Back time, but days. now they're using technology. Very good. Very good. Okay. That's a good analogy. Let me also, uh, and I was going to mention, if you go into Black's Law Dictionary and you look under Villene, and it's V-I-L-L-E-I-N, because its, der- it's derivation was French, okay? So we say villain, it's Villene, technically. You'll find a number of different types of Villenes, and they had different characteristics where one of them, like a villain regardant, I believe, says a villain attached to the land, and transferable by deed. So you could transfer him from one settlement to another, and you did it by deed because he was property. Yeah. Now, you could, uh, under the settlement laws, under the settlement laws, and some of you guys will take up the challenge and read this and search it out a little bit, uh, you could, uh, as Roger said, uh, transfer. And you could get permission to move from one settlement to another but the overseer in the settlement you wanted to move to had to accept you. Correct. And it had to be on paper because they accepted responsibility for you. Because you're the property. They're All moving right. the property just like you do with the deed today to your house. Right. And and so then there, there might be some conditions in the old settlement where uh, they didn't want you to leave. And you had you had some obligations maybe you had to fulfill for whatever reason. So it was a fascinating period in English, in England, uh, actually at the rise of uh, the British Empire. Uh, but this is how it applied to the working common stiff. We can't let Daryl okay. get out of here because he grows the best turnips. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I. So. Uh, this is, uh, you know, that's another interesting thing about the history of England and, uh, and the British uh, is uh, I, I think it's really important to study the, uh, the, the common, common man's uh, experience and, and not, I mean, it's really important to pay attention to the British Empire and all this other stuff, but the, what, what the English man and woman and family, the English, the Englishman, has been put through for the last five hundred years. I just, I just can't even imagine uh, how these, how these people have the common man. I'm talking about the common man. Okay, uh, how, how have they been able to retain? Their character, the herd, and and integrity. I I have so much, so much respect for the common Englishman. I was to in what they've endured. I watch a lot of these history programs and stuff on YouTube about English history, just trying to learn, you know. And I picked up something the other night in one that was really interesting, and that was Mary Queen of Scots, and her rivalry with Queen Elizabeth, who was the other queen that imprisoned her, 
okay? And this rivalry between the Protestants and the Catholics, all right? And so then Mary gets back, and King James, her son, gets put in as the king, and he dies childless because he was gay. He was a homo. He's a sodomite, okay? Open and notorious, all right? And because he had no heirs, that's when they brought in the well, House of Wilhelm from Germany, the House of Windsor. That's now Windsor. And it was that, him dying with no heirs, and his closest heirs were the House of Wilhelm in Germany over in uh, uh, the Hessian, King uh, Hessian area and all that stuff. And those are the ones that came over, and those are the King Georges. And English was not spoken in the crown until George the Third. German was spoken through his two predecessors. Yeah, it's it's a it's a uh, it's a fantastically uh, twisted story, uh, and uh, even after having studied it for a uh, fair number of years here, I literally have to put a timeline in front of me yep. with names yep. uh, to keep to keep it oh, even straight, yeah. re- remotely coherent. Yep. Okay, even remotely, and and I have the timeline. I have the I have the official Oxford. <laughs> I'm looking at it right now. The Oxford Illustrated History of the British Monarchy. Okay, and uh, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't really try to have a real serious conversation about it without that book in my hands. To just keep, just to keep track of the intrigues and the infamies <laughs> is uh, uh, phenomenal. But to see, uh, <clears throat> the, the, one of the trouble with English history, or even how about this, your own history, is. Uh, not only what you've been taught, the perspective and context of it is wrong, uh, but it's been compartmentalized in that you you study it and you look at it from a compartmentalized point of view and you don't integrate it with the rest of the geopolitical world events that are going around that period and time with those people because – those stories, those little stories, those little compartmentalized stories and their events, they're not events. Those are all processes. And those processes include uh, their personal lives, the political, the economy, who are the other actors, what's the geopolitical, at exactly the way it is today. But people try to put these things into little compartments and think they have a knowledge of something when they don't. Okay. You have a knowledge, you might have some knowledge of a, an empirical event, uh, but, and you might even have a working idea of the timeline, but you still don't have a perspective. And let, me give, let me give you a great example of what you're talking about. How about the opium wars? <laughs> well, uh, how about the Boxer about, Rebellion? Uh, you know, that, that's a perfect example. That's a perfect example. Another one is how about the American Civil War? Sure. Okay. Great one. Uh, that's another perfect one. How about how about this one? How about the uh, how about the uh, World War One? That's another example. Um, so uh, th- these these are these are huge huge dynamics that are going on, okay. and and you have to you know to get to the other side of this to cross the the brain barrier as so to speak, you have to be curious enough to go. Ooh. I don't really understand ooh, this. Daryl, <laughs> in, in, in medicine, that's called technically the blood-brain barrier. 
right? Yeah. How about if we utilize yeah. it for our purposes here as the fact brain barrier? Well, I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's the idea. <laughs> I think with today uh, going on, you got to add the blood brain gene barrier. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and you're you're and you're not you're not talking about tight fitting blue jeans, are you? You're no. not talking about the blue jeans. You're talking Absolutely about the, not. Genetic yeah. modification, <laughs> okay. crystal gene editing. Even though he was out okay. dancing over the weekend, I promise you. Were you dancing over the weekend, Chris? No, but I was at a marvelous uh, reproduction of Celine Dion and uh, Babs, uh, Barbara. Streisand, they were absolutely marvelous, and they looked like them, too. Really? Well, one of the advantages of living in the Vegas area, I guess. I do have great Still shows. Has, music. has Cirque de Soleil started back up? Supposedly, from yesterday, the tyrant, murderous governor, Steve Sisolak, claims that we're going to be full open end of May, 1st of June-ish. And uh, they are starting some shows back up. There's starting to be a few little live productions and uh, comedy shops and stuff. They may still be uh, military dress, right dress, so-called social distancing. But uh, they are getting back to a better level of activity than they were previously under full G lockdown. And I'd like to see if because Cirque de Soleil actually declared bankruptcy a few years ago. And, uh, man, if you've never seen those guys, they are absolutely fantastic. Cirque de Soleil. Probably seen videos of some of their performances. Pretty, pretty damn talented folks. Hey, Rod. Hey, Alan. Yeah. Uh, Samuel had asked earlier something about a radio. What was he wanting to know about it? Yeah, what you want to know? Is that shortwave stuff, Samuel? He mentioned the Yazoo. Yazoo. A, a, basic, a basic radio to at least be able to listen to what's going on out there. And uh, my friend came up with the Yazoo uh, FT4XR. It's like 75 bucks and an Abri antenna. Okay. Is, uh, it, it, is that, does it have a shortwave band? Is that why he gave you that particular model? No, it model? doesn't. No, it doesn't. That's why I wanted to know what he was wanting to do with it because that only covers like two meter and seventy centimeter ham bands, and it's pretty much local reception only on that radio. And it is a handheld, so unless he puts an antenna up on the roof, his reception is still going to be really limited. Right. Uh, if you but, really uh, want to prepare yourself for that part, it sounds like you know a bit about it. You got a ham license or something, Alan? Yes, I do. Okay. Well, then you what you really want is something with a single sideband, don't you? Capabilities? Yes. Yes, that's correct. And and HF. See, that's only a VHF UHF radio. He wants something with the HF bands in it and the sideband capability to be able to hear. That way you hear things from all over the well all over the world with that. Sony's got a real good one. Do you got any suggestions for a little inexpensive, good shortwave radio with those capabilities, Alan? I think the uh, Sony is about the cheapest one I've seen with single sideband capabilities. Sony had a couple of nice little ones. I haven't really looked at them in, in quite some time. Uh, 
if he dig around a little, he might could find on, you know, eBay or some of the forums, he might could find some old, just shortwave receivers that are not too terribly priced, uh, that, that would be good. But I hadn't really looked into that lately. I'd, I'd have to take a little dig around a little to see what might be a good one just for receiving. I would imagine you if you're going to look in that area, if the prices are what they used to be, you're probably going to cost you 200 in that range, maybe slightly more to get a single sideband shortwave radio. Yeah, yep. yeah, more likely it's going to be around 200 to get a decent uh, single sideband that will receive. You might find an old used one like I've got an old Kenwood R1000 that was just a receiver, <clears throat> just a receiver and I bought it years ago for – under a hundred bucks, I think, but mm -hmm. you know, somebody get rid of it, but there are places that you can look around for equipment like that, where, where you can find some deals on a lot. Cause them ham guys, they swap and trade things all the time. And sometimes, you know, the prices are not too terrible on the, the used equipment. Yep. Yeah. I guess yeah. what I'm looking for is, is, is something first to get in for local, just to listen because that would be the least expensive, and I can budget that. And then what would be the next steps up is sort of like what I'd like to hear from you guys. That That's know what we're talking stuff. about. Single sideband is what the next step up would be. Can you yeah. hear me? Yep. Can you hear me? Yep, we hear you. Oops. You'll get a Bofang radio. That'll give you the, your local, your hand bands. What is it, Gary? A Bofang. You can buy four of them. Fifty bucks. Do you want to spell it for us? B o w f a n g. Is that what you said? Bofang. B o a f a n g. B o a f a n g. Samuel. B o a Bank of America. F a n g. They fang you. The Bank of America fangs you. <laughs> Here's the thing: uh, the FCC is outlawing a lot of that stuff within six months. Both things go away it's in less than six months. Is that right? Yeah. The, yeah. And the, you ought to see the articles we're putting out about us not allowing to be able to talk about politics or anything on ham bands. Yeah, it's, they're, yeah, they're crunching down on ham operations. They're, they're in a serious shutdown, any alternative information outlet mode. So, anyway, both things. You got to get an adapter and slave that to a mobile antenna, like an antenna you're going to put on a car, so you're carrying your shortwave at ham in your car. Yeah. Okay. I, I I remember you telling me this the other day, and I did a little research, and that that Yazoo FT4XR is called by some people the Bofang Eater. Uh, it's a bit more pricey, but it's supposed to be a whole lot more radio. I can't, I can't know. I don't, you know, know enough okay. to. Are you going to be licensed, Samuel? No, I'm not. I don't get a license or anything. <laughs> get a boat phone. They're great little radios. You'll save money. Get the get the one that does eight watts. They got it that does five watts yeah. and eight. Yeah. Hey, Gary. Let's hope we don't yeah, have, to, I have. We're not in a situation where that's a necessity. Go ahead, Daryl. I, I have. I have uh, four of them. The Bofangs. I've been using yeah. them for eight years, and uh, I bought them eight years ago. And uh, we 
we scattered them all up and down my holler here. Different people have them, and we can we can talk whenever we want to. And uh, I've had them. We tested them, and they'll reach uh, down here in the holler. It'll straight line. It'll reach uh, eight miles. Uh, really? Crystal clear. And well, uh, I've so got eight. They, it's you know, yeah, for the I've price. Eight, I've got eight watt bone yeah. bangs. And I've got it slave to a mobile antenna, and I can go 50 miles. Good deal. Yeah. Well, that's just the difference. We're, we're just using the little coax that's on top of it, just a little nub, you know. So, uh, And yeah. and since Samuel brought up Yazoo, uh, for anybody, because that reminded me, I have to put in a shameless plug here, Roger. Uh, if you go to Revolution Radio in the archives today, and addicted to our own destruction and listen to Sunday's show. We did a two-hour dissertation on the Jay or the Gurdaki Land Treaty before the Constitution, uh, the Constitutional Convention, and the Yazoo Land Deal, uh, and uh, John Marshall of the Supreme Court, and all the uh, the dirty dealings that the Federalists were involved in uh, in land speculation, and. Uh, and it's so it's I, I never knew it would be so interesting until we dug into it uh, last week. So you can find that in the man's, archives on Revolution man, man, Radio. Man's heart is dark. No man shall know it. Um, we're right yeah. at the end of the tail end of today's program here. going to be off in a second. But, OK, you can go find that in the archives at Revolution Radio. Thanks, guys. We had a pretty good discussion today and we covered a lot of very fertile ground, I think, important subjects and topics and about bofang uh radio there at the last I, like i said let's hope we don't get to where that's a necessity but it may get to that point be prepared boy scouts motto we're going to be prepared best we can and see you manana in la manana at the same time right here at the same platform see you then have a great day some would wonder if bofang has anything to do with fang.